seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 189 of Color of Magic, your magic gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 189 episodes, still got my main man, hopefully surviving the heat in Texas, Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? Pretty good. You're uh, you're pushing along. Have y'all got your first 100 degree day yet? Um, uh, I don't think we have, but I, I have not been tracking it. That's actually really good. If it, if it ain't been hot enough that you notice, that's good, considering we're our damn near till June now. Because, man, I remember being down there, and they're like, once the clock turns to May, you start getting worried. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I dig it. That's good. I'm, I It's been weird here, man, up in the Northwest, because... We literally had a week where it felt like, okay, we're going to get our first couple of hot days or whatever. And we went from like 80, 89, like tapped 90. And then all of a sudden it's just like 55 and 60 again. So we had like two or three days and then it's almost like fall all over again. It's crazy up here. Yeah, I checked. According to the official National Weather Service record, we have not hit 100 yet. That's we, got, good. we got to 95 on May 5th. I can appreciate that. Of course, last year we hit 95 for the first time on April 5th, so it still looks like it's going to be better than that. <laughs> Man, it's, it's crazy. It is 95 crazy. in April, you just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, otherwise, you know, things are going pretty good. Uh, we have some news we're going to get to share next week about the show. We can't tell everybody about it yet, but that's going to be kind of fun. Uh, lots of projects coming through. Uh, hopefully I'll have a video to share soon from things from uh, MagicCon Minneapolis. I almost could remember the name of the event, but just lots of stuff happening. It's a, it's a good time to be a gamer. I will say that we are very lucky to be in the space that we're in. But before we get into everything else, y'all know the drill. Got to go pay some love to our friends over at Cardsphere.com, especially if you want like seriously. And I've said this before on the show, if you're new here, and you don't know, those are good people over there, and it's a cool site. Literally, if you want to name your price for the card you want to buy, trade for, whatever, you can do that. Whether you're picking one up or you want to get rid of one. Like, it's a, it's actually pretty cool. And even better is you can actually set a threshold. So if the card goes up or down in value, it won't even allow somebody to send you a card if it goes over a certain value. You're saying, hey, I don't want to spend more than $20 on this, even if I am only paying 80% of market value. And then you'll just see a little warning or whatever. Like, it's really cool. Something different. But you should go check it out over at Cardsphere.com. If you want to support the show directly, you can go over to Patreon.com slash Color of Magic. And you can get a shout out just like Michael Thompson. Thank you for being a supporter of the show, Michael. And you can go to ColorofMTG.com slash shop to pick up some merch. And that brings us to the Soapbox. And, you know, the first, what, this really is just a rant more than anything else, if I'm being honest. I guess it's a legit soapbox. But there's some people, now I've had some of my own content, you know, people who want to show up three, four, five videos in a row on, on YouTube and, and say something. People who want to follow me on, on Twitter and say something. But I see it a lot on other people's stuff, too. So it's not even just a me thing. Because I've seen some other people's uh, internet handles come up multiple times to where I'm starting to recognize them. And what some of y'all need to realize is if all you're showing up to do is complain, and you've got nothing creative, helpful, whatever, constructive to say... Just know that your comments are basically going to be falling on deaf ears. Because at some point, when you just when we realize you've complained for the fourth, fifth, sixth time, and that's all you've ever done, we don't care anymore. And I know nobody wants to hear that. Like that makes people more upset to hear that, well, our opinion doesn't matter. Sometimes your opinion just doesn't matter. Like that's that's the reality to it. 
Hell, I know my opinion doesn't always matter. I have multiple times. I have started to say something and then just deleted it because I knew it wasn't the right place, right time, didn't matter. But also, if I am going to say I don't like something or this is wrong or I think this could be better, I at least try to preface it as, hey, I didn't enjoy this for these reasons. But it would be cool if you did something that included XYZ. So I'm not just expressing displeasure. I'm explaining why I didn't enjoy it. And also an option for like what I feel could make it better. Now, maybe I'm in the minority and the thing they're doing doesn't cater to me. That's fine, too. But at least I gave the creator or the personality or the influencer or whatever something to work with. Because if you just show up and be like, I hated this video. All right, cool. What am I supposed to do with that? Like, I get it. You didn't like it. But I can't use that for anything. And if you just come on and just insult somebody, like, oh, your hat is stupid. Like, okay. Hell, I've had people come on literally and just complain that I had a Dallas Cowboys t-shirt on. I'm like, really? That was your takeaway from the video. Like, do you think I care? Like, that's such a dumb, childish thing to come on and even complain about. I mean, I, and I've seen people complain about all types of stuff that has nothing to even do with the video. Or, and, you know, people come on trying to, like, be snarky and make a dumb comment about the person or whatever. Like, that's not doing anything. And if you think you're getting a dig in at the person, realize that they just send you to hide user from channel. And they never see you again. So you're not hurting anybody's feeling. Also, I brought this up before. And I, but I'm going to I'm going to put this in this category because it happened to me last week again. I'm, I made a post. That basically said, look. Especially for politicians. If you do not think you're racist. But all the other racists or racial groups support you. That means the racists think you're racist. And you probably need to do something about it. Which I thought was a fine post. Well worded. Then somebody responded with an article from. And I'm not going to call them out. But like responded with an article from Star City. In from like 2001. That was somebody complaining about. Magic Online. Be, making wizards corrupt. Because they they had randomized boosters. Or something. And I'm like, this has nothing to do with what I posted. He's like, oh, I thought you should know how corrupt Wizards is or whatever. I'm like, so then I had to take the time to be like, look, I know more about the game industry. I've been around. I've slept at the homes of some of these people that are higher ups in some of these places. I have worked at Wizards. Like, you, this is not going to do anything to change my opinion. But it was weird to even have that shared, like, just completely derail a thread. And it had nothing to do with anything, which also I thought the article was weird because it's just like sports cards and everything have had randomized packs for hell. I'm trying to think back to Honus Wagner. He had to complain because he didn't want his stuff even showing up in tobacco packs or whatever. Right. So it's like, this ain't nothing new. I was like, so it was weird, man. Like, think about what you're doing when you're posting. Like, we've been doing social media long enough at this point, you know, 20 plus years. Like, we we should know how to use it better by now. But all right, I'm done, Brian. It's your show. All right. Unfortunately, you know, this is part of kind of the, the, the cost of doing business in retail. You may have seen a story from Indiana where a thief broke into Valkyrie's vault over there and stole more than 1,600 magic cards, apparently about $15,000 worth, and appeared to know exactly where to go. <laughs> exactly what they wanted so they feel like yeah, the police apparently also feel that they've probably been in the store before case the joint because they again no fumbling around knew pretty much exactly where they seem to be going and i it's just you know I, we talked about this beforehand this is just kind of part of the sadly this is kind of what goes on when you try one of the many <laughs> people think oh you, you're at a store you get to sell cars it's so great no this is 
unfortunately, one of the things you had to deal with, and for all they know, they're going to be looking that thief in the face again Monday morning, and they have really, unless the police get lucky and, and crack this, they have no way to know. Yeah, it's it's a tough thing when you run a store. You kind of always assume you're a target. And it sucks, but you kind of have to operate that way. You know, everything from like how you do your drops for your money in the evenings, when you do all your bank runs. Like, I I remember double checking so many things all the time. And, and, and honestly, it sounds like a crazy amount, but when you're talking about 1,600 cards and $15,000, that's... What is that? Like nine fifty a card or something? So I mean, it's not like crazy value. I mean, this could have just I been for, for people, you know, that are probably outside the industry. Like my wife, I mean, she probably knows now, but before she dated me, she would have never imagined any of these pieces of cardboard could be worth a thousand dollars. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, this could happen to even a small store because this isn't like these are all hundred and thousand dollar cards. These are a lot of just like middle of the road cards. You know, so this could have been any store that this happened to. And it sucks because these are just people trying to make a living, you know, like everybody else. And I, yeah, I'll and for, oh, go ahead. for any kind of, you know, just, uh, I mean, I don't know the exact size of the store, but it'd be 15,000 bucks <laughs> is 15,000 bucks. There is a GoFundMe that I wanted, which is kind of how this ends up in the soapbox portion. So there, again, Valkyrie's Vault is the name of the, uh, Name of the establishment over in Brownsburg, Indiana, and they've they've you know got about uh almost three thousand dollars of their ten thousand dollar goal. So hey, yeah, people are, are chipping in and helping out. So definitely that's something you can find if you want to, if if you want want to help them out with that. I will say this: that at least they took a real amount of cards, so you can do something with your insurance. Because and this sounds terrible, but like. I know so many stores where they got like their glass broken or like some cameras or security stuff damaged or whatever for somebody to still like five or six boxes of cards and leave. Yeah. And that's the thing I didn't even think about. Cause I, that's not, I've never owned a retail oh, store. So that's... It's the worst because you end up having, you know, you got to replace 800 to a thousand dollars worth of like window panes or like $400 cameras and also, and like the product they took wholesale is only worth like $600. You know, and like you're you're almost more mad. Like I would almost rather just give them the product at that point because it's barely enough to get you. Some of them, they do enough damage where you can't even make an actual insurance claim because you got to get to like two thousand dollars worth of damage or whatever or five thousand dollars, depending on your policy. Yeah. Insurance. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, man, yeah, that could be a whole the, the insurance industry could be a whole other soapbox for well, both yeah. of us, I am sure. So those people like really make me upset. As I said, at least this person took a real amount so you can you can act on it. But yeah, I, I hope they find the person. They do have some not great footage, but maybe some identifying things in the footage that's there. And because of the amount, this has made national news because you know, even the local TV stations jumped in on this. And oh, yeah. it was funny, one of the articles I pulled up, I mean, they, I guess, were trying to figure out which cards might be valuable and not really being sure. So when they listed the different, they listed almost every card type that exists in Magic, listed the kind of cards that this game contains artifacts, plane blowers, conspiracies, creatures, does, I'm talking about there's 15 different types of cards here. It's... The other thing, too, especially when it's that much, you at least get the authorities caring more. So hopefully they have some neighbors that also have cameras. Because a lot of times the way these people get caught is all through the neighborhoods or the end of these shopping centers or whatever, your neighbors have cameras. So you'll get them running outside the building. You'll get a, a car, at least a make or a model, like even if you don't get the, the license plate. So there's, there's a lot that, that comes through. And you never know. Some of them recognize the cars. I've seen cases where somebody recognized a particular outfit or a hat or something. Yep. Or sometimes even the way somebody walks. You know, people like so some people walk like Bigfoot. You know, they just have that's a true. particular game. Like, yeah, that's, that's Jimbo. Yeah. There, there's also, and we talked about this briefly, but the other reality that I don't think a lot of these thieves understand is because a lot of rarely is the thief somebody who's completely from outside the area. 
it's usually somebody at least local or semi-local and they visited the store multiple times so they knew where stuff is they've cased the joint a few times and have some ties to the local community in some way whether it's players or neighbors or whatever but for a lot of these stores these are the nerd hubs the the nerd equivalent of cheers if you will yep if you were found to be the thief oh man you basically socially got to start over Mm-hmm. Like, cause that's it. You're you're the bad guy. You're persona non grata to everyone. Don't let it be a small town. You just you ain't playing magic ever again. You're, you're not town. playing anything, right? You know you're done. I mean, I believe me. I know people who got branded a thief playing Yu Gi Oh and stuff, and in hindsight, ended up not even being accepted by the magic players or the D and D players because they had that hanging over them. I'm like, nah, we heard about you. Is there a helicopter? There is, actually. A helicopter just started coming by. I don't know. They're trying to get me, finally. They found out where I live. Tom Cruise about to, to come through your window on a wire. Doesn't he have some? Isn't there another Mission Impossible soon or something? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what made me think of that. I don't know. He, that they keep making They're going to keep cracking about laws. They keep making money. To be fair, I've watched all of them, I think. So I I, I'm not going to lie. Trailer to you. Tom Cruise knows how to trailer. You know, Tom Cruise running. Yes. Just, I'm guilty. I'm for real. I, and I'm probably going to be one of those idiots that eventually sees Fast 10, too. I, I'm because at this point, it's really just an action movie. It's, it's not a, even about a race. It's a superhero movie. movie at this point. True. It has left any concept of reality so i think they're, they're trying to figure out on twitter this past week exactly at what point the show or the the, the movie became completely <laughs> divorced from reality because we went from at first you know it was street racers now they're international global spies this is basically superheroes oh yeah we were past that by six i think yeah so yeah it's it's been a minute they are saving the world now every movie it's just <laughs> <laughs> a quarter saving the world a quarter mile at a time. Yeah, basically. But all right, let's talk about some other fun things or interesting things that we learned this week because it's the time to share what we learned last week. So what do you got going on, Brian? All right. Uh Dead by Daylight, if you've seen, is one of the just uh, it, it is first the standard in the survival horror genre, and they've announced that. Nicholas Cage is coming to the game this summer, and he's not being, you know, he's not going to be, because uh, for anybody that hadn't played, it's basically like a horror movie in a video game. Four of you are survivors. One of you is the, you know, the, the serial killer that's tried to kill everybody, and it's, many of them are licensed. There's Michael Myers, uh, Freddy Krueger, uh, then there's a lot of people that, that the that behavior had to create this, but yeah, Nicholas Cage apparently is going to be Nicholas Cage in the game. He's just so better. So we were, first of all, that's just an exciting thing because he, again, he's somebody that has done a lot of horror movies, including uh, Renfield that just dropped recently. So he's somebody that obviously has a lot of experience and is very well recognized by anybody that watches a lot of movies, but especially horror movies. So I'm excited to see what they do with this. And Nicholas Cage is out. If you're going to pick an actor, to be in a horror video game and to play himself, unironically, Nicolas Cage is very much that dude. <laughs> I'm kind of curious on what he's going to do in the game. I mean, it sounds like I guess he'll be one of the survivors and it'll just be... You just get to have I, a playable Nicolas Cage? Yeah, I, and I think that's been confirmed because they mentioned, you know, that they were going to tape because, you know, as you're getting murdered, basically, they have sound effects and they said, you know, they offered him, I guess... uh a voice double no, he wanted to do all the grunting and the groaning and the Nicolas Caging himself. So yes. If you happen to hate Nicolas Cage, this is also probably if you ever want to chase Nicolas Cage around with the machete, here's here's your game. Man, that's so interesting. Like I, I said, he's the perfect actor for that because of course he doesn't take himself too seriously. That's part of what's so great about him. And then he is somebody that's done so many horror and horror adjacent movies that he is, he is perfect for this. Yeah. I think it's going to go over well. I don't know what you have to pay him to do something like that, but dead by daylight's pretty popular and makes a good yeah. amount of money. So, I mean, I guess go for it. And that's kind of how they, they said when they were, when they were testing it, that's how they realized what they had is, you know, people would stop working and they would come because it really is very much like watching a horror movie. If you've ever yeah. watched a horror movie, be like, why'd they go that way? 
Why'd they do that? I would have done it this way. Dead by Daylight is your Taylor show. Okay, yeah. Show us how you would escape Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger or, you know, who have you. I have to say, I've not personally played Dead by Daylight, but I've watched quite a few people stream it. It's so much fun to watch people play. I'm just surprised at the legs the game has had. Well, I mean, it is it is inherently watchable. It's designed, you know, to be that they didn't because it really. I mean, people love horror movies. Superheroes are, you know, the most profitable genre. Horror is number two, and if your superhero movie stumbles, whatever horror movie is out at the time is going to pass you. So it's just yeah. people love horror movies. That one and what's it? Phasmophobia is that it? Yeah. The other one, like those two, have way outlived what I thought they would. In in especially in the streaming space, but, Dead by Daylight is now like their their roadmap is they they've already done a dating simulator because you know yeah <laughs> some people want to date the killers it's just it's like where we are dude that's a real life thing too yeah like there's is. there's that there was like if I remember right years ago some type of weird service for like pen pals with the with these people that are in for life for murdering people it was the Menendez is still get. All the fan mail. Yeah. Still this wild. guy that's got the Netflix. I was named Alex Murdaugh. He's got fan. It's just humanity frightens me sometimes. But yeah, they're doing it. They've done a dating sim. They're doing a, a single player game that's set in the same universe. So they, whatever game genre you play, Dead by Daylight said they're coming. <laughs> <They'll> be- <laughs> Might as well. Hey, if you can keep the brand alive and it's making money and people are following you because you've got strong branding. Right. Go for it. I mean, to me, that's kind of the holy. That's really what a lot of these game companies are trying to get to. Right. Like building a brand that you can keep building off of. So you don't have to start new projects constantly. And I, it, on, on one hand, you kind of get tired of seeing some of the stuff because you're getting like the third, fourth, fifth iteration of some games. But the other part of that is those studios stay open. People keep jobs. You know, and they make a lot of money, and you're giving. And one of the things that's great about it is, you know, for a, for a game such as League of Legends, Overwatch, you know, okay, they have to create the character for them. The movie industry creates their characters for them because, yeah, they create some of their own characters. But every time a horror movie drops, people, are like, boy, I can't wait till he gets to the Dead by Daylight, and and many of them, you know, never do because you can't put every. But I, when they do. It's a huge, it it reinvigorates the game, you know, when Michael Myers shows up. Pinhead, man, Pinhead dropped. Yeah. And I don't even know, like, I'm assuming they had to pay at least a million dollars for that. I'm sure easily. There are strangers, and also sometimes they'll do survivors. Like, they have Michael Myers and Lori. Uh, Stranger Things has Demo Gorgon, and they have Steve and Nancy from Stranger Things. So, yeah, it's just, and, and it's one of those things. People that have never played the game before, but might be fans of Stranger Things or uh, Hellraiser, you will we'll pick it up. And that just gave me a thought. Like, let's say with Stranger Things, right? You're like, "Hey, we want to pay to have some of your characters in the game." Like, obviously, we want the Demi Gorgon or whatever, but we want some of the other characters as survivors. Was part of the negotiation like, "Yeah, if you want the boys, they're like five million a piece." Like, ah, what else you got? Like, we can give you Steven. I think part of like, it is they don't want they don't want to kill. I think they don't want to kill kids because that'd be kind of icky. But even then, like, you couldn't get, uh, what's his name, the police officer dude? Like, I would think that would be more popular than than Steve and Nancy, but, you know. No, people love Steve Harrington. The the hair alone, you got to have Steve. I think people grew to love Steve. He's had a a great character arc. First you hated him, now everybody loves him. Yeah. And Nancy is, you know, you obviously got to have the final girl because that's sure. what the horror movie is about. And Nancy is Stranger Things' final girl that's going to always, so, or at least we think, because we hadn't seen season, I guess, five yet. But it's, as of right now, spoiler for anybody that hasn't seen, Nancy has survived everything. Oh, yeah, I guess. I, okay, yeah, I can't ruin some things for people. <laughs> I Yeah, I'd say it then. Man, that's a whole different conversation, too. Like, yep. at what point, because it used to be like, hey, movie comes out. You, if you waited about a month, that was usually yeah. fair, and then you can start talking about it, right? But we're in a weird space now because, let's say I'm watching something like Mandalorian that's like six or eight weeks long, however many episodes they have for the season. But some people are watching it weekly. Yeah, Some people are going to wait to binge it all, right? So even after it's done two months later, they're going to pick a day or a weekend or whatever, and they're going to watch all the episodes. So it's like, 
can I not say anything for two months or do I not say anything for six months? Like what, what's the new rules? I mean, I would ordinarily try to avoid if I knew I plan to watch it, but now that I, you know, do all this content, I, I can't avoid the internet. So it just, if I know I'm going to want to watch it, I got to watch it right when it drops or I know that Goomba stomp or, you know, or somebody somewhere is going to end up spoiling it for me while I'm looking up, whatever other thing I'm working on. You just, it, it becomes impossible to, because, you know, I mean, my day involves checking whatever the top, whatever you feel like the top 10 nerd sites are for you in multiple game and TV genres. So, yeah, I just, I, yeah. it's impossible for me to avoid spoilers. Like, I, you probably feel the same way. It, it, it just, well, I'm a weirdo because, like, I just accept that I'm going to be behind on stuff. So I'll still watch it even if I know the the endings or whatever. Like, doesn't bother me. Like, I'm more about like the journey to get to the end, even if I know it's coming. So that, I'm okay with it. Cause I, I got into, well, I wouldn't say a fight, but like created a, a disagreement in my house. Cause I'll just pop in and like my mom would be watching say like doctor who, but I'm just watching whatever episodes on when she's watching. She's like, Oh, you want me to go back? And I was like, nah, we're good. She's like, how are you okay watching these out of order? And I'm like, I don't know. I can pick up enough to understand. And that's, if I have a question, I'll just ask you, but otherwise I'm good. Like, it just is what it is. Like, I know I don't have time to consume everything. So I have to, like, accept some things for the sake of consumption. Plus, there's some certain rules here. You obviously know the doctor is what well, the doctor technically is designed yeah. to die, but you know, he's not, he or she is not going to completely die. Same thing with the master. You know, the master is yeah. not going anywhere. So now the companions, yeah, the companions are the ones that are. To me, the companions are what make the shows. Well, yeah, because, I mean, the, the, the Doctor and the Master are essentially immortal at this point. Yeah. So it's about, will the companion survive this story arc? And you get upset, you know, when your favorite companion, and I won't, again, I won't spoil any of it for anybody, but yeah. Those those are the things that make it for me. Because I feel like, even though each actor is bringing their own flavor to the main character, it's really a lot carried by those side characters for me. Yeah. And I feel that way about every show. Like, if your main actor's good, that's cool. But if I need quality side characters or else it's going to be hard for me to want to tune in every week. In the same way that you know Batman's not going to die, but Robin might. Yeah, Batgirl exactly. might get paralyzed, you know? Yep. So a, a good writer makes you care about those other characters. So when the killing joke happens or, again, the, the, the ritual, <laughs> people talk about how, wait, Batman's supposed to be the world's greatest strategist, yet part of his strategy always relies on 10-year-old kids on the front line. Yeah. <laughs> or somehow the Joker still outsmarts them, you know. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah, one of the things I discovered, uh, and really a fact I saw over the last couple of days, but it's something I did think about some over the last few months, is how many black game designers we have that are being published regularly because what, what what I saw that was posted, it was a concern for the tabletop and board game industry is that, you know, black people make up 10% of the population, but we're not even close to that for game designers. Right. And most people are like, yeah, let me go check myself. Some people had none by black creators, you know, a bunch of people had just a couple and it was like, yeah. And a lot of the ones that are out there are being, self-published yep. so they're not even being brought in or getting these big contracts or whatever they're basically having to find a way to do it themselves and get their foot in the door and that's a little tough you know a, a couple of places seem to be trying to find new creators new artists whatever and bring them in there's a couple of people that as this has become a story over the last few days have actually like man we we need to work on this thanks for pointing this out this is a thing we should be aware of you know and we've talked about it on the show before, right? It's not so much about just saying like, oh, hey, there's a black creator that made a thing. It's about the perspectives, the history, the personalities, the communities that they bring to the industry. You know, there's so much more attached to it other than just like, oh, we got a black creator to do a thing and checking a box, right? There's so much that comes with that. I mean, even what we've talked about as far as content and in the creator space, there have been multiple people that said like, oh, man, I really appreciate what y'all do or raising awareness about this thing. Or, you know, I only got into streaming because I saw one of your things and like all of that matters. And again, like everything, 
the more people you involve, the more potential customers you have. So that should probably be a thing we're focusing on. But it's kind of crazy to think about. We're not, I don't even think we're at 5% among game designers, much less 10% to just be proportionate to the population. Like, that's a long way to go still. So, I, I mean, and this isn't something that even if all the companies got on board tomorrow, you're probably not going to solve it for another three, four years if everybody and was working on wonder, it. You know? Then we wonder why it's so hard to get, you know, a representation of color in these games. Yeah. And it's, if there's nobody in the room, it just doesn't occur to anybody that, oh, here's our 10th consecutive game starring the white male protagonist. Well, you know, we've said it before. It's it's just about somebody not even considering it because they're just not part of those spaces. It's the same thing when you have studios that are predominantly male. A lot of times you you write something or put something in there or whatever, and eventually there's a woman that goes like, y'all really feel like this? And they're like, what do you mean? You know, right? Like It's like, should have had somebody check that before it went out the door. Right, it happens. That's why you need more diverse spaces. But yeah, I would I would ask everybody who's a board gamer, go look at your collection of board games, look up the names, and usually they're a lot of times just right on the box on a lot of the popular games. But go look up the names of the game designers and be surprised how few of them, hell, I would say aren't black, but how many of them aren't even people of color? Like, it's, there's still a long way to go in that space, for sure. But, that being said, let's talk about some uh, news bits. So, there was some news that had people feeling... I don't know, we'll just say they were feeling some kind of way. But Hasbro, were vo- was, Hasbro was voted one of the most community-minded companies of the year for the 11th time in a row. The timing is not great. (laughs) Sure, sure. But I wanted to, like, having been inside the walls, you know, I kind of wanted to add some clarity to what this actually means. Like, first off, they are still a big company, and big companies are still going to be problematic, right? Like, that's, this does not make up for that. That will always be a thing with big corporations in America. So let's, let's just be clear about that. But... What they measure on, well, first off, you have to be a billion dollar company to even be considered for this list. So that, that's yeah, that's one of the things I had a problem with is you just know that one of the most community minded companies of the year is probably not a billion dollar company. And as you said, big companies tend to lead toward problematic, but the, 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 the criteria are the criteria. Yeah. So it was, these were the top 50 among all the ones that were eligible. And they measure investment of resources and or volunteerism the integration of these things across your entire line of businesses. If you have policies and systems in place for those, for all of your businesses, and then the impact measured throughout those communities that you're affecting. So they do have actual real criteria to check. You know, you can't just and, be like this. This makes it easy to see why people are like, uh, okay, yeah. but you can't just be like, oh, hey, we did this thing. See, we're a good company. It's like, okay, sure, but what was the impact? And is this a normal thing? Do you have do this all the time? But, and I can't speak for every single branch, just like what I saw through communications. But when I was at Wizards, we had this day set up every year where everybody in the company. You were encouraged, but weren't required to. But you were encouraged to volunteer. And and it was truly encouragement not required. Like, if you just didn't, there was no penalty. You can legally require somebody. Yeah, and I never saw anybody get a penalty for not doing a thing. I will say that. But a lot of people just volunteered because they wanted to do the nice thing. You did actually get credit for being at work. So it counted as a work day if you wanted to go do the volunteer thing. So that was kind of cool. But they normally had, if I remember right, like five different things you could pick from. And some of them were like going and helping fill backpacks with needed supplies and food and things for underprivileged kids, you know, at one of the schools. Uh, I went and did one where I worked with the local children's hospital, basically give the parents a break. You show up for the day, play games with the kids and, you know, find out about their situation and all that. Basically, so it's not just like parents showing up, talking to doctors and kids being miserable all day, right? You give everybody a break. But there was some other stuff, too, to help with like some homeless stuff and, you know, just different things. 
And my understanding was this is a thing that is at every branch of Hasbro. Like there's a thing that everybody gets to do at least once a year and you get credit for it. There's also some other stuff too, if I remember right, within the company policies that if you did regular volunteerism stuff, there was a way to get credited work time for it and whatnot. So I'm sure all of that is being considered within these parameters for the judging of whatever rankings or whatever it is that they have. And giving an award like this does continue to encourage large companies to do things like that. So yes. Yeah. And, and that was the thing. So, I, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm being a Hasbro apologist, but I want to at least explain like how a company can even end up on this list because those charity things and volunteerism and whatever, like those are things I knew the outside world never heard about. I mean, and they've been going on for years and I'm, I feel like I'm pretty well connected with the game industry and I'd never heard about them. So I've been there, you know? So I'm sure the average person who's just a consumer has zero clue that they exist. And these are things that go on regularly, which again, to your point, a positive thing that you're at least encouraging companies to continue to do these things. Cause again, corporations are going to corporation, right? Like there's going to be those issues. Capitalism sucks, all that. But at least if they're doing something positive, we can at least hang our hat on a thing. You know, it's not all bad, but yeah, that's generally how they very likely how they made the list though, is you have these things that go on regularly. And like I said, the policies to where if you're volunteering, you can get company time back and all that to encourage your employees in your company to do positive things. Because, I mean... And, and this year, yeah, it just happened right after a huge PR blunder. So, oops, you know, that's just news happens when it happens. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing you can do, right? Like, things are what they are. Because, for honestly, for somebody else's company, it's probably the perfect timing, you know? Right. So you're, you're announcing it all at one time for the 50 people who got picked or whatever. So, it, it is what it is. <laughs> like... But yeah, it, it's a tough one because I think it's very easy to look at big companies and be like, ah, they're just terrible and corporations suck, which I mostly agree with. Yeah, because, uh, you know, they, they earn it. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying like, I mostly agree with that. But at the same time, this is kind of falls in that category of like, oh, we at least should acknowledge the good things that they are doing, you know, because we want more people to do more of those things. Because again, we talk about on the show a lot, like, we'll go after it when it's bad. We'll also praise it when it's good. Yeah, because otherwise, kind of like I start out with the rant, like your complaints are just going to fall on deaf ears, right? If everything's bad, then nothing's good. So like, what's the point? But yeah, anyway, just wanted to put that in there to give a little bit of clarity to the situation so people kind of understood how that's even a possibility. Yeah, I don't know if you heard, Brian, but uh, May 29th, which is next Monday, we're supposed to be getting a new ban list for Standard. And first off, I kind of like the idea because Standard needs a shakeup. But even more importantly, they're kind of using this as a what sounds like a test run since we're going to be going to three-year Standards starting this fall, which is also a bit of an experiment. But I guess to see how things shake up in standard and then decide in the fall if they need to add more things or change things or whatever to that ban list. And then I guess we'll ride with that every fall or every year until we get to the fall and then they'll do another thing. They did say we would still get emergency banning. So if things got like, for whatever reason, something goes sideways, they are still willing to step in and ban some cards. But they're trying to at least go back to a set schedule so people know what to expect. Now with that, there was a list that came out, and I wish I remember what day, but it floated around the internet for about two days of what looked like, well, was being shared as a leaked copy of the band list and the a band announcement, I should say, from Words of the Coast. Now, that said, myself and other people who have been around for a minute, we scrutinized it a little bit, <laughs> and there were some things that brought into question, like, I don't know if this is totally true. Like, there were some obvious things in there, too. Like, at one point, I think instead of using the American color, C-O-L-O-R, it used the European color, C-O-L-O-U-R, which Wizards never does. Though, some people tried to excuse it, like, well, maybe it was written by one team, and the other team had to proofread it. But that's not generally how that works. So I was like, no, that was already like flag number one. And then how they reference some cards wasn't a way that Wizards usually writes about them. 
some of the language wasn't to- it, w- it was good don't get me wrong if, if you just glanced at it really quickly it reads very much like it could have been the band announcement but there were enough things that oddly i had a video scheduled to come out that same day oh yes yeah, so this would have been like monday i think i had a video scheduled to come out the same day talking about what should or shouldn't be on the band list and why so i had to go back and record a uh intro for it that basically said like hey y'all i'm aware that this other list exists However, because it can't be confirmed, the source nor the information, I'm not going to talk about that in the video. I also told people if they posted or shared links or whatever in the comments, I was just going to boot them and ban them. Like, I had no, no reason to share that. But as it turns out, we saw a post on Reddit about a day, day and a half later from the person actually saying they were the ones who put it out. It was false. And their logic from the sounds of things is they were effectively trying to force the hand of Wizards. That they saw the overwhelming response to the cards on the list, so they will be more likely to encourage or select those cards to be on the list. That said, outside of one or two things they put on there, I would guess most of those are going to be the ones Wizard picks anyway. It gets a little dicey, though, because like, is this person just trying to take credit for it? You know, Wizards had said earlier, I guess, I didn't see their statement, but somebody else had said that Wizards had said it wasn't the official list. So, I don't know. I don't know. But it definitely created some news for a couple of days where people were discussing it on every video and on their streams, and I saw multiple posts in Facebook groups and on Twitter. I mean, you're not really going to force Wizards' hand. They're doing their research. They have their people internal they're going to do what they're going to do regardless of what you put out to the public. Right? So, I don't know. Credit to them, though, that they went through a lot of work because it looked pretty good. I mean, you kind of had to nitpick it a little bit to realize, like, I don't think this is official. So, credit to them for putting in time to make it look good because that's not something somebody just threw together in an hour. Like, it looked like somebody put real thought into it for probably about a whole day or two <laughs> to get that together. But yeah, the, the person's username is cmushroom9180 on the uh, Magic TCG subreddit over on Reddit. So that's the and, thing. In my constant mini soapbox for people, you know, with, with the band cards and everything, if you're only playing at Friday Night Magic, you don't always have to go for the throat. Sometimes you, you can play the goofy deck, you know, or just the, the not so. But, you know, I guess everybody interacts with the game the way they choose to interact with the game, which, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny you say that because one of the things that's come up recently is even discussing for Commander, one of the big things in our pregame conversation been what is your goal to get out of this game? Right, like, what are you trying to achieve by playing? Because if it's just come in and just beat everybody, then cool. There's other tables for that, right? That's not the game we're into. When I sit down, like, I want to see everybody's deck do at least some semblance of the thing they designed the deck to do. Because everybody put in a lot of time to getting these lists and cards and whatever together. If I walk away from the table and I don't really know what your deck did, I feel like that wasn't a complete game. It feels kind of bad, honestly. Because I feel like you didn't get to play magic and that sucks you know so i get it you know for friday Night magic there's people that only play top tier decks or whatever you know even though they're paying five dollars and they're competing for like three booster packs or whatever it is you know but hey to each their own right i'm i always tell people a tournament's a tournament i'm not going to tell you to or not to play something but just understand if it doesn't make sense for that community or that store that you're in you will eventually be looked at a certain way and there are some, even in our area, like there's some stores that are more competitive than other stores. And if you want to be more competitive, you go to those stores. If you want to be more competitive, hey, yeah, it's you one go thing to the other is, stores. It's one thing if, yeah, okay, everybody is the, hey, well, we're all, you know, trying to. Well, like you said, I guess it's a matter, a matter of reading the room. You know, if, if you're the if you're the only one that's doing that, or if you're one or two, one of two people that does that, and you win every week, you know, it's. But you know what? I, I had a similar situation kind of like that, where even I wasn't even playing a top tier deck, or at least I guess it was ended up being a top tier deck. But 
it wasn't one of the popular decks. But I'd won a couple of weeks in a row, so I purposely switched the deck up the next week. Because you just don't want to be that person and just discourage other people from playing or be the person that when somebody sits across from you, they're just like, this deck again. You know what I mean? Like, that's no fun for anybody that's just trying to hang out on a Friday. Now, again, if you don't care and you're just about winning, I get it. But that's not the experience I was trying to cultivate, you know, for my interactions at these local stores I was going to. If you're going full heel, okay. But I guess you got to embrace it. Yeah. But honestly, if I wanted to keep playing it that way or whatever, I would have went to some of the RCQs. I would have went to the more competitive FM stores. Maybe go find a tournament with a big box prize or something they're yeah. giving away on a Saturday, right? There's an environment for that. But yeah. We'll see what happens. Monday is definitely going to leave us some stuff to talk about next week, I'm pretty sure. But if nothing else, Standard's definitely going to get a shakeup, I guess, within like three, four days of y'all like listening to this. So keep your eyes peeled. An interesting bit of news that's kind of been circulating a chunk of this year, but more numbers are starting to come through now, is that several creators are reporting dips in revenue. Some as high as 40%, which is a a pretty big number. And a lot of it mostly is tied to ad revenue, right? Or people who were getting a lot of the short-term brand activations where, you know, hey, we'll pay you a few hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, whatever, to do a 30-second ad on your YouTube video or do three or four posts for us on Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is. A lot of those that went away for a lot of people. I'd imagine, especially for the TikTok creators, right? Because this, all this of their money. Because I mean, our, our channel just got monetized, so we don't know yet what forty percent less would be. Would we have had forty percent more had we got monetized six months ago? We, we don't know because this is brand new territory. Yeah. So for me, I will say, like, if I've seen a dip, it's been very small. It had to be less than ten percent. But I've also seen growth across several things. So it's more than offset whatever any loss I would have had. You know what I mean? So, like, it's hard to gauge. Like, okay, sure, the average CPM on something is, like, slightly down, like, 20 cents here or 50 cents there. But if my average went from being, you know, let's say 3,000 views to being 4,000 views, well, I'm not going to notice a difference, right? But I think in the gaming space, particularly tabletop gaming, I don't think we've seen as big of a drop as creators Because historically, having, now I say historically being the fact that, like, I was part of the industry during the housing crisis, I was part of the industry during the last recession, and now we're into this one, depending on who you talk to, you know, how bad this one is or not. But in each of those, the tabletop industry didn't suffer very much. If anything, we saw more people playing Magic, we saw a ridiculous Pokemon boom, you know, we saw a lot of people still playing Warhammer. D&D launched itself during the pandemic, you know. So we're a little bit insulated, which is interesting because I think largely when you're in a situation like a recession or anything where your your income is restricted, you're not likely to try a lot of new things, right? So you're not going out and chasing new technology. You're not going out and getting a new Apple Watch. You're not doing all that stuff. Hell, you're probably not even going to the movies, to be honest, because that's $15, $20 a person these days, depending on where you go to the movies. Unless you were to happen to be lucky enough to have those places where it's got you know, a dollar or a $2 movie. I, I miss my dollar cinema so yeah, much. Yeah, you, you might get a, a 5 to $10 matinee in some spots, you know. But you will go get a $30 board game to play with the family for a whole evening, right? Entertain four people for four or five hours. You'll go get a couple of cards and finish off a commander deck, right? You'll do those things because those are things you know and you know the values there. So we're very lucky in the sense that our hobbies largely are things that not just have high entertainment value per dollar, they actually even carry some return on investment where you can't necessarily say that about a lot of other things you would do. So it's interesting to see some people saying, especially if you're in the tech space or, you know, any of those, because people aren't necessarily buying a lot of high end computer stuff right now. People aren't necessarily buying or investing a lot in stocks or whatever right now because they just don't have the money. Hell, I've even seen reports recently that 
uh, not AMD, but uh, NVIDIA was concerned about how much they're going to be able to sell their even their new uh, video cards for their 40 series because they're I think they just launched the 4070s and the 4080s and 4090s are coming. But they've reduced the price on some of the other ones just so they can move inventory to make room for some of these other things because they're they are not selling what they thought they were going to sell. And I kind of get it right. Like, cause don't be wrong. I do a lot, a lot of content and anything that lets me render videos faster and cleaner yeah. or whatever is probably worth having. Preach. <laughs> but I've got a 3090 TI now. I'm not necessarily going to go splurge and get a 40 series guard. Now, if, this has been another time period, maybe. But right now, I'm kind of like, nah, this is good enough. I, I can, I built my whole work structure around this. I'll deal with this a bit longer till the 4090 or 40 series get cheaper. So I'm sure others are doing the same thing. But if you're one of those people in that tech space, or you were doing deals with NVIDIA on your channel or whatever, they're probably spending less right now for those partnerships or brand deals. Conversely, I just got a little bit of money from Mint Mobile, which was sweet. <laughs> Admittedly, it wasn't a lot. They just gave me a couple hundred dollars to do a couple of little like one minute things on some YouTube videos. But it was still money I didn't have before, right? So these are deals. And it might even be similar, right? Mint Mobile is finding smaller creators to say like, hey, let's go get into some spaces we haven't been in. And if it's only going to cost us $300 or whatever, that's way better than going to these other brands and having to spend $10,000 or whatever, you know, and combined, we might be able to find enough people to see the same amount of reach. So definitely the techniques are changing for some of these companies. Brand strategies are changing and they're just trying to all get more for their money right now. So it's, it's interesting, but as tabletop creators, we're not really seeing it the same as other folks. So Something to keep an eye on. It's one of those things where, like, when you see it enough, you're like, oh, man, my content's going to get wrecked. And where it's like, always look at who's saying it and what genre or what niche they're in. Because not all content, one, is created equal, but two, makes equal money in the same ways. That's the other thing. Right? Like, if if I'm doing well, I can get it. We can get a deal with, like, a card sphere. Right? That's a thing that doesn't exist, though, if you're... I don't know, a fashion blogger, right? There's no website that people who buy dresses just deal with on a regular daily basis. There's no trade exchange where everybody's got to have new cards or new dresses or new shoes every other day or every week or whatever, right? That's not a thing. So, uh, are you sure? <laughs> I mean, somebody probably does. Uh, it probably depends on what you can afford. Like, yeah, if you're, you know, if you're a Kardashian, yeah, that's probably something you got to go to every week. Well, that's true. Work. But that's not your average viewer, right? And and that's kind of the thing. Every niche is going to have something different. So you got to, it's it's tough because you kind of have to do the extra work to wade through what you're reading or hearing. But I always tell people, the internet exists. Go do some research. Always check the source of the information, where it's coming from, who they interviewed for it, because that is going to tell you a large part of the story. Now, all that being said, that brings us to an interesting topic for the dinner table and i'm not sure where this is going to go just yet but the question we're being posed with is how do you feel when a company uses a person of color to mark market their product when they traditionally haven't done so and i don't know about you brian like it, it's it i hate to say it depends i know people want definitive like hot take you know whatever but I sort of feel like it, it does depend, at least for me. Because, like, I don't know. Let me try to use Wizards as an example. But they, they put up, oh, when did that big Teferi poster or banner come out? Like 2017, maybe? Where, for the first time, you saw, like, a, practically a life-size Teferi banner. Bigger than life-size. That was showing up in stores and whatever, right? But it was a known character within their brand, but he just hadn't been the centerpiece of promotions before. But it was also kind of cool to be like, man, you walk in and you see a magic event or whatever, and there's just a fairy right in your face. And it's like, that was kind of nice, to be honest, from a representation standpoint. And 
we saw multiple people that their parents showed up and were like, oh, that's cool. And they took a picture with it, not even knowing who Teferi was, because it was just like cool seeing a big piece of fantasy art with a black person on it at these conventions or whatever. And other people, you know, hell, uh, Armando, the guy who actually plays Teferi or cosplays Teferi, Orlando, he like he's he got a whole career out of it, you know, because he happened to look like Teferi. So. I don't know, but at the same time, if a company, man, I don't know, like it's such a, like I could see a situation where a company has no black characters and then they finally make a black character and that's going to be the centerpiece of the promotion for the next 60 days or whatever. I'd I'd feel kind of weird about it because on the one hand, be like, cool, you're finally introducing a black character and that's great. But the other part is like, but did you also only do it for business? Like, do you really realize what's wrong? Or did you just hear us complain and now you're trying to make yourself look better? Like, so I, I don't know. How do you feel about it, dude? I mean, I think the answer is like, you know, what what is the work you've done? Is a black writer, if it's a comic book, is a black writer doing this comic book? Or is, are there black artists on this comic book? And so and you got to just, like you said, it's, it's not probably the definitive answer people want, but you really got to evaluate each project on its own merits like for example miles morales perfect one of the best introductions of a diverse character in the history of the entertainment industry yeah now we see him in video games movies you know he's everywhere and he is every bit as influential as peter parker was when the first time he came out by the way peter parker was also a character that was completely unlike anything that had ever been done in comic books before that's fair. I mean, because we also have the example, and I think we talked about this probably like 100 episodes ago, but when they did that, the what if crossover with Miles or whatever. Yeah. And you had like the weirdly bad slang and like it wasn't even the right slang from the right part of the country or whatever. Like, yeah. you know, and they were trying to write like Thor style writing, but with like hip hop lyrics or whatever. It, just, it was just it, it was just bad. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, that that was like, I get what you're trying to do, but the execution's terrible. Like, you just you just made everybody look bad that's involved with the project. Y- at the end of the day, you know, I, like after the Super Bowl, we all come out. We have you know the ads we loved and the ads we hated, and these really end up being the same thing. Even more important than you know than than kind of the diversity of what you introduce is just like. Do people enjoy the ad or the campaign or whatever when they watch it? Like you talked about how like Teferi, okay, everybody is stopping and taking a picture with, with this cutouts. Okay, you know here you have done something important. You can in real time see how people are reacting to it. But then when you have a one one we talked about on here that was a, a bad example of how to introduce diversity. Hey, you know, it's Black History Month, let's put some uh, watermelon scented candles on sale. No, no, God, no. Yeah, that one's rough, though. You might you might as well just made a, a chicken and beer scented thing yeah. and put it right next to the watermelon one at there, that point. There weren't, you, we can only assume there were no black people in the room, or if there were, they did not feel empowered to speak to you. Yeah, sure, that, that's great. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's so much, you know, and and like I said, it's tough because I think people when they have these types of questions want us to have like these hard, like I said, just hot take answers. But man, it's it's so relevant on everything else around it more than just that they're doing it. Because, like you said, there's some ways you do it, and like this was good timing. It was representative of that portion of the community. It's well-loved and received by people in that community. Great. But then you have the other stuff, like you kind of just did it, and then it just fell flat, right? So it's like, that's not good for anybody. And even if that happened, we still want you to keep doing it. We don't want it to be like, oh, well, we tried, you know, we tried it. Just no, we still want you to be diverse. Well, you know, it was when, I think I told this story before, but when Vivian was first being debuted, one of the things Wizards does that, I mean, I've talked about this before, but Wizards literally has like five, six different ways they get feedback on things. With Vivian, they had set up these, I guess you'd call them like meetings. I don't know. But they were getting different people from inside and outside of the company 
that hadn't seen her before. And you would sit down and they showed you, they asked you like a series of questions about each image of Vivian or whatever that they were thinking about using. And then like what you like or don't like about each. And I remember when we, they were showing them to me, I immediately stopped on one and I, and I can't remember the person who was administering the, the test or whatever, but I remember telling them like, this is the image to use. And they just kind of stopped and were like, whoa, that was definitive. What's that about? I said, this is the only one where you can see her full face, full and clean, and you can tell she's darker complected. Like the others, she had her hood up and, you know, like still look badass, like with the glowing bow and all that stuff and like the phantom animals around her. And that was all cool. But I said, but this is the one you want. And it was cool. I'm glad they went with that. But like. I think they also understood that like, oh man, that that's a good point, right? Like what's the point of having this diverse character if nobody can really tell that's what it is, you know? And even that little bit, I'm like, it was cool to be like, okay, now you have a planeswalker that's going to be part of regular production and all the different sets. And you, ha and on top of that happened to be a woman, right? So, or at least non-male at that point. So you had that extra level of representation as well, which was pretty cool. So there are ways to go about it to make sure you get the right item as well, too. If it's just a rush job and you just throw it out there, you know, kind of like, well, what did we talk about a few months ago when they did the Overwatch character, but then they did a variant that was like a whole different race of the character yeah. or whatever. It was like, why, though? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what does that achieve? Like, that's just bad for everybody. And when you could just be like, hey, we could just make two separate characters and have this character just represent herself or whatever, right? So it, it's just weird. Like, it really comes down to everything else around the company. And Overwatch is another example where, like, they had, you know, they, they, they've done so, so much of diversity, but then it still took us, what, basically six, seven years before we got a black woman. Yeah. We got a hamster in a robot before we got a black woman. Which is bizarre considering, you know, how good a job they're doing representation in so many other categories. And see, and that's the tough part, right? Because you wait so long for that character. When they start pushing her, how do you feel about it, right? Because now it's like, okay, are you finally saying like, hey, look, guys, we finally did it. And like, that's a weird feeling. So you and also one of the one of the excuses they have, you know, well, we felt she was really integral to the lore for Overwatch 2. Like. So that's more important than the fact that you just hadn't had a black woman in your game for the first six years. You know, it's just, yeah. So the messaging around it has to be right it, too. Like it, it sounds like you're just doing it now because as we've we've already discussed here at length, Overwatch Two is really more like Overwatch One Point Five. Hey, we got no content. Black woman, remember that black woman we promised you four or five years ago? But that's the thing, right? Now your messaging's ugly. And yeah. now people have a problem with it, right? So it's not even just the effort of doing it. It's why, how is it presented, the context of it. You know, like we said, the other news for your company and things going yeah. on around it. Because that could look bad, too. If you just, you know, let's say when all those things were coming out about Blizzard and Riot and whatever, you know, leading up to these court cases. And then you're like, check out this Asian woman character we have. Right? <laughs> like, it would it would have been like, that timing's really weird. Like now you feel, it almost feels like you're doing this out of get out of jail free card. Right. So that could be weird too. So yeah, I don't know. I, I general, I would say in general, I'm probably okay with it and like it, but there are some ways it can be done that it comes off just feeling manipulative. Patronizing. Yeah. Like there there's, it can have some weird feels to it. So I don't think there's a clear cut answer. I think it's just on an individual basis. The best thing I could say is if you're going to do something that's new or different for your product or whatever, check with the people in that space. It's not that difficult. You know, if you're going to make a, I don't know, a Filipino character or whatever, run it by some Filipino people to make sure you're, it feels good to them. You know, that, it has all the right things they would expect it to have or whatever. If you've never done a black character or whatever, go like, hey, is this offensive? Does this make sense? Is it cool if we use, I don't know, a FUBU shirt on the character or whatever it is, right? Like, Does she have a hip-hoppy walk? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, hey, I told you before, when I first started streaming, a bunch of my viewers were Aussies and Kiwis, right? I didn't know if I could say Kiwi. 
So I just asked him. I'm like, hey, y'all, I'm an ignorant American. Is it cool if I talk about these things or use these terms? And they gave me the thumbs up. They're like, no, it's normal. Everybody says that. Or, All right, cool. Because I didn't know. You know, like yeah, because if if you have not, and and let's be honest, there would be no reason for you to have interacted with a bunch of Australian people. You've lived in Texas and Washington for most of your life, exactly. So, yeah, that would... so there's no shame in asking. Just say like, "Hey, I'm kind of wanting to say this or mention this or use these terms. Are these safe? You know, right? Is this something y'all are cool with?" And they were overjoyed about it that Americans even knew what was going on over there, gave a damn to even talk about their stuff. So we were all right, but don't know what you don't know so don't be afraid to ask but all right brian won't tell everybody where they can find you on the social media machines i am brian sonic on twitter youtube instagram our family channel on youtube is alan's ever after and you can find me just about everywhere at power dragon p-o-w-r-d-r-a-g-n and hopefully within the next two weeks if you're following me on socials there's going to be a whole lot of new news for several things that y'all should enjoy but as always Wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please take care of yourselves and your family. And most importantly, remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 